Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and... It's probably not going to be breaking news to any of you that right now DC Comics is in absolute upheaval. There have been a shit ton of layoffs, a shit ton of books have been canceled, and right now the future is looking pretty uncertain, you know. Uncertain from the standpoint of we don't know what to expect. Not that DC Comics has an uncertain future, although that may be the case as well, but what I'm saying is Comic book fans, just cast your mind back to 2015, just to pick a year, right? 2015. Comic book fans, they're going to their LCS every week, they're picking up DC Comics, and they have a basic idea of what to expect in 2016. Namely, that they're going to be able to continue going to their LCS, picking up their new DC Comics, and all that. We don't have that certainty. We have certain other ideas, certain other possibilities, but no real certainties. And that's what I mean. The future looks pretty fucking uncertain right now. And guys, I say this with absolutely no triumphalism, no football, uh, no, or rather, no end zone dancing, no football spiking, nothing. Not this past week, but the week before this past week, I released an episode where I reasserted my belief that DC Comics is in seriously deep shit, and then just kind of as a thought experiment, I threw out some ideas of what a non-DC Superman, and what I mean by this is a non, a Superman published not by DC, what that kind of Superman might be like, right? I made a hard prediction, and specifically, the hard prediction was DC Comics, as we knew it, will not exist by the end of 2020. I have been proven right. <clears throat> and guys, you need to understand, I'm not saying that out of any sense of uh, happiness or, or glee. I have never wanted to be wrong about something so badly in my entire life. Okay? When I say that I was right, I'm saying that from really from a from a sense of remorse you know and it's not like I'm so brilliant or I'm I'm the only guy in the room that that, that, that guessed this all right there were a handful of other people who were saying the exact same fucking thing as me but there wasn't a there was a louder chorus of voices saying no you're wrong no you're stupid you're dumb you don't know what you're talking about you're making shit up and here we are. I'm not, and again, guys, triple underline this, okay? Please, for God's sake, I am not happy about this, okay? I'm sad, I'm f 
furious, I'm confused, I've never felt more alone in my entire life. I'm, I'm kind of running the gamut of emotional responses to this. The one thing that is not on the table is happiness or arrogance or something. Or I, I don't know if that's really an emotion, but fucking whatever. Okay, I, I, I feel absolutely, positively, no fucking joy about this whatsoever. Whatsoever. But here we are. Now, hard decisions have got to be made. And that was a catchphrase I just kind of pulled out of my ass um, for an episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. This, this was years, years ago, right? Episode number 148, Behind the Headset, Magnus versus DC Comics. Hard decisions have got to be made. That was kind of like a recurring theme in that episode. That was basically me laying out what I thought would be useful strategies to guarantee uh, DC's longevity going into the future. All right. And for anybody who's curious to hear what I had to say, I recommend just track that episode down. Again, episode 148, Behind the Headset, Magnus versus DC Comics. If you want to know what I thought at that time, could save, might be able to save comics, or at least DC comics, well, there you go, all right? Now, to kind of take this back to the top here a little bit, I did make a hard prediction. I said that DC comics, as we know it, will, or as we knew it, will no longer exist by the end of 2020. And I laid out a few different ideas on what that might look like, all right? Uh, just a, a, a few different uh, possibilities. <clears throat> Many of which, by the way, I am still convinced might be possible, all right? All this upheaval and all this bullshit that we're going through right now, this is not necessarily the final word on anything. Those other possibilities I laid out could still happen, for better or for worse such as certain, at least certain uh, DC characters being licensed out to other publishers. I'm convinced that it, that could still happen. But at least for right now, the way that it looks is that AT&T wants to try fixing DC Comics before they turn the lights out. You know, And I'm not in any, I'm gonna make a bigger point of this later on, I am not in any position to predict success or failure at this time, okay? All I can say is that the way that things are shaping up right now, it doesn't really look like we're going to be seeing a non-DC Superman. But my objective in that episode, as much as anything, it was basically meant to, in case I hadn't done so before, Get my listeners acquainted with what I thought was a very strong possibility that we're going to see some major fucking league shakeups at DC Comics sooner rather than later. Now, as I say, I released that episode a uh, week before last, so let's see. Uh, yeah, it looks like I released that episode on August the 4th, I guess. And at the exact moment that I released that, I did get a little trickle of feedback from people saying, you're stupid, you don't know what you're talking about, that will never happen, 
and you know everything's going to be just fine with DC. You just wait. People have been predicting the death of comics all this time, and they've never been right. <clears throat> and then a week later, almost to the day, word comes down the pipeline that there have been some massive, massive shakeups at DC Comics. A huge number of people have been fired. Uh, quite a few uh, uh, monthly titles have been canceled. And it looks like there's going to be even more committee banging going on in the future. Right? And again, I'm not saying this to fan my own balls and tell you how wonderful I am and how you need to listen. No, I'm not. I'm just... I'm just saying... I'm saying all of this to point out the fact that I recorded that what a non-DC Superman might look like episode, guys. I released that in August. I recorded that back in May. I've got timestamps to prove it, okay? I'm not saying this uh, uh, to self-aggrandize or, or do anything like that. I'm simply, as much as anything, trying to convince you guys of my fucking remorse. Because, again, I have never wanted to be wrong about something as much as I do right now. Alright, because that's, that's where I am. And I've got a whole laundry list of bullshit that I want to work through here. And I will. I'm going to go through every single last bit of this. I've never had more notes for an episode of Trinus Magnus uh, Jabs Reality or Punches Reality or anything else. I've never had more show notes to work with than I do right now for this episode. All right, And I'm going to work through every single last line of this. But before I do, guys... I don't exactly run the most personal or confessional podcast. There are podcasters out there where you know what their favorite breakfast cereal is, okay? And that's just never been me. I've never really been that guy, all right? I like having a certain amount of distance, all right? That's, that's just who I am as a person. But I'm going to reveal some things. And I think I may have even talked about some of these things in the past. But I'm going to reveal a few things just so you guys can understand... It almost sounds melodramatic to say that you guys, so that you guys can understand my pain, but there's a lot of fucking pain that goes into this, all right? <clears throat> I began collecting comics in the summer of 1990, all right? Um, I, I think I've told this story before, but I had a, a, a chance encounter with a friend of my mom's, or actually a, my mom's friend's son, because he was about a year older than I was. And he was a huge comic book fan. He collected primarily Batman, but he had uh, he had boots on the ground when it came to uh, Marvel stuff like X-Men, uh, Spider-Man, and uh, I think the Punisher, and just like the, the, the big Marvel titles of that time, you know? But primarily, he was a, a DC guy. And I would say even more primarily than that, specifically, he was a Batman guy. He... Uh, let me flip through some of his comics. He told me, you know, what had been happening in the uh, in, in comics up to that point. You know, the the really neat things that had been going on, which at that time would have been stuff like a death in the family, Batman Year One, uh, probably the Killing Joke. Uh, I don't remember if he had that or not, but he was at least aware of it. The Dark Knight Returns, A Lonely Place of Dying, Batman Year Three. Uh, and things like that, you know. He was, um, he basically, <clears throat> basically gave me a, a, a crash course on Batman comics. And really, it was from that moment forward 
that I became a comic book collector. All right, I'd always had comics around, but not from a, a collecting side, more from this is just stuff that kids have, or at least they had back in those days, you know. Kids might have comics in their bedroom. That didn't mean they were collectors necessarily. They just had comics because comics uh, kids had comics back in those days. And the thing about that is, guys, we had just moved. My family, we just moved to Houston. Uh, it was near the end of the school year. And I was basically starting off at square zero. Had no friends being as I was so young, had no real extracurriculars, didn't have any real hobbies, uh, apart from my family, didn't really have too much of anybody to talk to. Comics were just about all I fucking had at the time. And so maybe I didn't have friends, but you know what? Damn it. Maybe I can go out and buy the new Superman comic book or the new Batman comic book or Suicide Squad or fucking whatever it was going to be. I could get that stuff, and it was kind of like a substitute for having friends, you know, because, like I say, I'd arrived at the end of the school year, the school year ended, now we're into the summer, and there's just nothing to do, there's no one to talk to, and I've never really been one for loneliness, okay? I just, I don't really get lonely. I'm not a lonely person, right? I do just fine all by myself, but it's like at the same time, in life, people need something, something other than themselves, whether that's other people or whether that's a hobby, if it's, if it's a dog, um, I don't know, like personal habits, exercise or something, I don't know, uh, religion maybe, but people need something, all right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I needed something, and whatever that something is, that void got filled by comic books. And so as a result, you know, there I was. Comics were just about all I had. And for the next several years, comics were always there, you know. Even when I uh I, I'd settled in to the new school, I, I I'd started making friends, I had hobbies, extracurricular activities. Comics were always there. Comics were always my thing, all right? I have nothing against comic book TV shows, but they're just a TV show, and comics are better. I have nothing, uh, nothing against comic book movies. They're great. Comic books are better. So on and so on and so on for everything. Comics are my thing. And eventually, it got to a level where it wasn't even just DC comics anymore, or DC characters, or just whatever. I liked Marvel comics. I liked Image comics. And I even liked stuff that wasn't specifically superhero comics. I liked stuff that was a little bit more off the beaten path. The older I got, the more I fell in love with the comic book format, the comic book medium. The stories that you can tell only in comics, from the biggest of the big to the smallest of the small, everything in between... Comics are my thing. And indeed, you know, even when my life expanded, my social life expanded, comics were always there. And I don't want to get too specific, uh, but this kind of carried forward 
into uh, into my adult life, and then at uh, at the end of the year 2010, at the end of the year 2010, my life basically fell apart. All right, I'm not going to get too specific about it, primarily because it, even now it's still kind of a painful thing to talk about, and I guess that's number one. Number two, it's just none of your fucking business anyway. But the point is, I lost something that had been very important to me. And it's like, what do you do now? Like, who am I if I don't have this anymore? And so comics, though, were still there. And it was near the end of 2010 that I said, you know what? Fuck it. I've spent all these years living my life, trying to be what other people want me to be or what other people need me to be. Never what I want to be. And so fuck it. From now on, I'm living my life on my terms. And doing things for other people, helping other people, this has never been any benefit to me. All it's ever done is cause me pain. And so from now on, I'm looking out for me. And everyone else can kind of fuck off. I was kind of like Peter Parker, I guess, in that way. I was just in a really fucking bad mood. And so what is something that I'd kind of let slip all those years. Well, comics. I hadn't followed comics like super close in years by that point. I mean, yeah, I kept up and I'd, and I'd buy them here and there as I could. But, you know, for the most part, you know, I wasn't as dedicated to this as I had been in years previous, right? And like I say, at the end of 2010, I decided, fuck it. It's time for all of this to change. I love comics. This is who I am. Anyone who doesn't like him, go fuck himself, because I don't care. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. This is what I want to do. Deal with it. And so I started um, buying more comics, all the stuff that I'd missed out on. I started buying more back issues, fell even more in love with comics than I ever had before. But at that time, guys, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that here once again at the end of 2010 and then getting into the beginning of 2011... Comics were all I fucking had. I mean, like, that was it, you know? And this was, like, the one safe thing that I had that just made me feel good about being me, you know? I loved comics. And then, just to kind of start bringing things up a little bit more to the modern day, I just see comics, they... The quality of comics, they just get worse and worse. The sales numbers, they get lower and lower. And it's like nobody fucking cares. Nobody minds the fact that this... In I don't even... I don't think you can even call it an industry anymore. But to whatever degree you can, this industry is in very serious peril. And the people who are responsible for leading this industry, managing it, it's like they just don't seem to care. And when I released that episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, episode number 148, like I say, the idea behind that episode was basically to say, can we please, for the love of God, save this, this industry, the, the, this storytelling format that at, at certain times in my life, this has been like fucking literally all I had... <clears throat> Is there any possible way to save this? And yes, there is a way to save it. 
but no one seemed all that interested in doing it. And now here we are. Here we are where DC Comics has basically been completely fucking gutted. Um, Jim Lee is talking about somewhere between 20 and 25% of their publishing line is going to be canceled. Uh, guys, very honestly, I don't think that's true. I think the number is going to be a hell of a lot higher than that. And this entire time, I've been sitting here at times screaming at the top of my lungs, guys, we need to figure this out because this industry is not invincible, all right? Any industry can fall, and when it does, then what have we got? No one seemed to care. At least nobody in the industry seemed to care. And fans, certain people outside of the industry, like I say, all they did was uh, run me and people like me down, call us names, tell us we're dumb, and we don't know what we're doing, we're wrong. And where I am right now is, you know, we're facing a situation that, guys, it's not like this was unpredictable, unforeseen, no one could have guessed that this is where things were going to go. I've been fucking saying it, okay? And so when I say that, yes, I predicted this, guys, I have absolutely no joy in that, okay? there, There's no triumphalism here, all right? I wanted to keep things from ever getting to this point. And, 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 and again, it's not that it was just me. Other people were saying the same thing. But not number one, not very many. And number two, none of us were taken, were, were taken seriously by anyone. So <clears throat> that's not spiking the football. That's just a simple statement of fact. And like I say, again, to take it all back to episode number 148 of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, hard decisions have got to be made. Well, guys, the time has come to make them. Hard decisions have got to be made, and here we are. Time to, we got, we, we've got some hard decisions. They can't be avoided anymore. The time has come to make them. Like I say, the hard prediction I made is that DC Comics, as we knew it, will no longer exist by the end of 2020. Now, what form that could take was up for grabs. I floated a, a, a few possibilities about what that might be. But now we're starting to get kind of a picture of what that's going to look like. Namely, something like 20 to 25 percent of uh, various and sundry DC Comics personnel have been fired. And at least for openers, uh, Teen Titans... Young Justice, Suicide Squad, Hawkman, Aquaman, and uh, John Constantine, Hellblazer, those have all been canceled. By the way, with no guarantee that that's where the cancellations are going to stop, I personally think they will continue. Now, the main issue going on here seems to be AT&T's corporate strategy, all right? Namely... AT&T does not want to be in the business of publishing periodicals, guys. They just don't. So the idea of going to your LCS to pick up a plethora of brand new DC comics week in and week out, that's probably never going to happen again. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just don't see that ever happening again. The push right now seems to be towards YA stuff, towards digital comics, and I would say probably towards uh, graphic novels or trades that print the more successful 
digital comics. And that seems to be the big push. And speaking of pushes, guys, if you're wondering where some of this fury is coming from, certainly from me, and I would imagine also from AT&T as well, guys, something that you need to think about here is the push that comics in general have gotten in the last 10 or 15 years. It's a bigger push than has ever happened before or will ever happen again. And look at these awful fucking numbers, all right? Just to kind of give you guys an idea of how fucking out of just tone deaf DC is, The Dark Knight was the biggest movie of 2008. But if curious Dark Knight viewers had wandered into their uh, comic book stores to check out Batman comics, they would have found Dick Grayson as Batman... Bruce's bratty little son-of-a-bitch son as Robin, and a comic book world that is utterly unrecognizable compared to the movie. Do you think that AT&T is happy about things like that? Now, yes, 2008, that was before the AT&T buyout, but that still goes to the point. What I think AT&T wants is for their comics to be consistent across the line. So, a new Superman movie comes out. People go out and see it. What AT&T wants is for comics to be available that are broadly in line with the movie, whatever that may be. And the consistency that they seem to want to apply is whenever you pick up a Superman comic, you know who Superman is, you have an expectation of that, and that comic book meets your expectation of what Superman is all about. This, the, the Superman in your imagination is going to be the Superman in that comic book, is going to be the Superman in that movie, in that cartoon, etc. Line-wide, they want consistency. That's the way that it looks. Now, in terms of what does actually get published, at, like I say, at least for starters, it looks like fewer titles are going to be published. Now, this is strictly an opinion of mine. I'm not making a prediction here. But I'm starting to wonder, you know, what is the magic number, right? Because back in episode number 148, I picked out a a dollar figure. You know, basically, a fan needs to be able to follow the entire DC Comics line every single month and pay less than like $30 or less than $30 to do so. All right. And what that meant, especially with cover prices as they were back then, that meant you could only probably publish like a handful of titles. Okay, fine. Then you only publish a handful of titles and you make them awesome. Every single one of them needs to be fucking amazing. Now you do that, a strong line of comics, very limited in number, in terms of number of titles, very limited, emphasis on quality, and maybe you can you can build from that. I'm still somewhat attracted to the idea of a $30 price tag for DC Comics month after month, but I'm not I'm not going to suggest that that's AT&T's corporate strategy. It may be, it may it may not be. I have no way of knowing. I just want to throw that out there and say I still believe in that. 
you need to be able to follow the entire line of comics for $30 per month or less. What might it be like? Well, if it was me, which it's not, but if it was me, just to kind of give you guys just sort of like a sample of what I think would be a good idea, I would say Superman in Action Comics every month, Batman in Detective Comics every month, uh, Wonder Woman, then you start getting into everything else. Uh, Green Lantern, which is to say Hal Jordan. The Flash, which is to say Barry Allen. Aquaman. And maybe the fourth world. I'm willing to consider that. But otherwise, guys, like I think that's probably about as far as you'd want to go. I mean, who's to say? But certainly that doesn't seem to be AT&T's strategy, at least at this time. We, I mean, look, for one thing, I say... It doesn't look like... We know this probably isn't happening. What what seems to be more likely is that we're going to get <clears throat> one Superman book, probably like six Batman-related books, and maybe one or two other things, depending on what movies are in the pipeline at any given time. Now, as I said before, Jim Lee has been quoted as saying the consistency is the name of the game. The Superman that you expect to see is the Superman that you should get. Now, guys, there are good and bad points to that. I mean, sure, that means fewer character replacements where some nobody becomes the new Batman or some nobody becomes the new Wonder Woman or or, or just whatever. Probably there is going to be less of that, I would imagine, if we take this whole consistency thing seriously. There's probably going to be less of that. But guys, at the same time, that also means that Elseworld stuff, like the Doug Minch, Kelly Jones trilogy where Batman becomes a vampire, stuff like that probably isn't going to happen either. So just something to bear in mind there. What does seem to be happening is an expanded presence in retail, places like Walmart, Scholastic, Amazon, etc. That's going to be your dumping ground for... Uh, the YA stuff for the graphic novels and trades and and all that fun stuff. Basically, it looks like AT&T is going to demand, they're going to order DC Comics to mount a full court press <clears throat> into these these other markets that have been kind of neglected over the years, or decades really, so that YA and whatever trades they do publish have a chance to get a foothold, all right? Now, right about now, a lot of you are probably wondering, well, what does that mean for for the direct market? Well, guys, I think the writing's pretty much on the wall there. Fewer titles being published each week will pretty much slit the throat of your of your LCS. And guys, I love my LCS, all right? The 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 people that work there, they're great. They are they're knowledgeable, they're friendly, they're, you know, they they definitely understand customer service. They are very welcoming. And at one point, I even considered a lot of them to be friends on kind of like a personal level. But my LCS that's my LCS, all right? Your LCS and I dare say LCSs across the country, 
They're probably r run by a bunch of fucking SJWs who I'm call me an asshole if you want. I, I'm not really sorry to see those people go out of business. I mean, yeah, it sucks that comic book stores are probably going to go the way of the dodo. But it's I don't really care. You know, I mean, the like I say, I love the people at my LCS. They're fine. But there are other comic book stores around here where. Number one, you go in there and the people that work there treat you with almost open fucking contempt. But even when they don't, they they're they're very much into the idea of cancel culture, uh, boycotting uh, this creator or this company or, or because of politics or, or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I'm actually kind of fucking happy to see those people go out of business. Hey, this is the way you wanted to play the game. Now you're the ones getting canceled. <laughs> Enjoy it, assholes. So if maybe there's like, that's not even triumphalism on my part. That's just me trying to find a silver lining here. But nevertheless, when you drill down to the bottom of this, what we're basically talking about is the direct market, comic book stores, etc. <clears throat> they're going to go away. It may take a very long time. There are some of them that'll probably be able to weather the storm longer than others. But if I were a betting man, their days are numbered, all right? The way that it is, guys, and I mean like right fucking now, the way that it is right now, it is impossible for any single monthly title to consistently sell 100,000 print issues or more. That's how few comic book stores are still in the country, all right? Those numbers are not going to get better anytime soon, guys. So pulling out of the direct market, I understand that this is going to cause a lot of pain and a lot of misery for some people. But hard decisions have got to be made. And it is time to make them. One of the big things that AT&T seems to to want to be emphasizing is digital. Now, I'm a, a huge proponent of cheap comics, all right? I'm of the opinion that the cheaper you can make comics, the better, and especially digital comics. Now, <clears throat> when you release a digital comic book, in theory, you should be able to sell it for far less than you can a paper issue. But most of the comic book companies don't do that. Why? Well, the reason is they want to protect retailers. They want to protect the direct market. They want to protect comic book stores. And so even though it's a completely fucking incomprehensible, it is not intuitive approach, digital comics generally cost the same, at least when they're brand new, digital comics generally cost the same as the paper issues. This was done at the behalf... I'm not even going to repeat the asshole's name just because, uh, who knows, I don't even want to take the risk of any kind of legal consequences or something like that. But there's some dickhead uh, comic book store owner in California who basically threw a little bitch fit whenever he found out about uh, DC's big push for a digital comics back in 2011 with the advent of the new 52. And basically, the original plan was to sell digital DC comics 
far less than the paper issues. Well, he threw a little tantrum because the world needs to bow to his economic needs. And so DC, for God only knows what reason, relented. And so they priced their their digital comics to be the same as the paper issues, at least for like the first 30 days or 60 days or, or, or whatever it is. And that was enough to mollify the whiny little douchebag uh, comic book store owners who needed to maintain their little fucking fiefdom. And, well, guys, that's not going to be possible anymore, okay? Because hard decisions have got to be made. And as it happens, DC Digital First already sells digital comics for... It seems to exist on a, a continuum. There's like a, a range of prices, either 99 cents or a buck 99. Basically, that's it. The idea, if I'm following all this right, and maybe I'm projecting intent where it shouldn't be projected, but it looks like AT&T's ambition here is to reduce the cost of digital comics, and it. I'm guessing they're going to aim for between, like I say, $0.99 cents to a buck ninety-nine. and who cares what some mentally ill fucking weirdo in, in San Francisco thinks, uh, thinks about that. Release a few of those. And then, having done all of that, the... Well... Tell you what, I'll give you guys an actual example of what I think is a is a decent model for this. And that is Batman, The Adventures Continue. This is a digital comic that got launched, I want to say it was like a month ago or two months ago, maybe. But I look at Batman, The Adventures Continue, and what I see is a model for the future. All right. Each issue costs 99 cents. The writer of uh, of Batman the Adventures Continue is Alan Burnett and or Paul Dini. The artist is Ty Templeton. These are fun little stories. They're set in the animated Batman universe. Uh, you this is and I would say like latter day Batman the animated series, not Justice League era, but not Fox era uh, Batman the animated series. This was like the redesigned WB version. That's what we're looking at here. And I love that redesign, by the way. And so that's basically what we get in Batman The Adventures Continue. It seems to be really popular with fans. The ratings on Comixology, they seem to be somewhere in the upper 90s. And mostly people seem to really be getting into this. And it's not necessarily, like, specifically the fact that this is the animated Batman. It could be anything. All right? I see a model here that could be applied to other characters and other titles, other properties, etc. What's to say you couldn't do something like this for, I don't know, The Flash, you know? Now, the instant I start talking about possibilities and everything, I start speaking about it from the standpoint of a comic book fan. Wouldn't it be cool if? And the fact of the matter is, I'm I'm not sure that I'm the guy that AT&T is necessarily trying to reach. I mean, I'm sure they want my business, 
but I don't know if I'm necessarily their highest priority right now. Put it that way. And by the way, that is that is no that is no disrespect to AT&T. I'm not throwing shots. I'm just saying I don't know. They know that I'm a comic book fan. So I don't know if they're necessarily trying super hard to reach me so much as they are trying to broaden the base right now, which is fine. But I mean, it's just I see something like that and and I start thinking, wow, what if you could have like a golden age Superman set in the 1930s, have a title like that? And then, hey, maybe what you could do over here is you can bring back uh, Gina, what's what would be a good example? Um, maybe you could bring back like Smallville season twelve, or maybe over here you can you you, you can do like a, a Tim Burton like Michael Keaton Batman title, you know, do do something like that. And then over here, you know, I start thinking about it just in terms of what can you do to offer a lot of variety to to readers, and that may not be AT and T strategy. And the thing is. They're not dumb or short-sighted or something like that if they don't follow my every whim. I'm just, that's why I'm not giving you guys like specific examples because what I think would be cool and what AT&T thinks would be cool, maybe they're not the same thing. In fact, I'll go out on a limb and say they're probably not the same thing. But my point is to say that price is king. And that's the that's really what I want to emphasize here. Batman the Adventures Continue, each new issue costs 99 cents. And the reason that that it can be sold for so cheap is because there is no print cost, there is no distribution cost, there is no or there are no um retailers taking their little bite of the pie. And so if we take this literally, like a $3.99 paper comic book, it could be that as much as $3 of that is getting eaten up by other parties. And that's before we start talking about um, DC's own corporate expenses, paying the talent that created the comic book, um, paying the company's sort of larger overhead, etc., and so if you can sell a, a digital comic book for 99 cents or a buck 99 and then keep most of that, I mean, I'm sure Comixology is going to get a cut. We'll say, I don't know, pick a number. It could be anything, 10%, 15%, 20%, something. But meaning you keep 80% of that, that's huge, you know? And so I understand where people look at it and think, well, in each case, DC is only getting $1 per issue sold. It could be as low as $1 for issue sold. The difference is, they, they with digital, they've got a chance to broaden the base with a lower uh, cover price. There's a chance they could sell more copies to more people. The ones that sell the best can then be actually printed and sold as a paper comic book, or probably more likely a trade. And those can be sold in... Uh, retail outlets, those can be sold on Amazon, etc. All right. That is just a fucking better strategy. It's something I've been recommending for years. And it's kind of nice to see. Well, I, I can't say I've been proven right yet, but it looks like that's the direction DC is going to go in the future. I hope I'm right because, guys, if it's possible to get comic books down to 99 cents, like digital comics, 99 cents, that's game changing. All right. Now, one of the things that I've said to people 
quite a few times now is I've been, I can't say all digital, but I've been mostly digital for quite a few years now. Um, I was actually 100% digital at one point, but uh, what ended up changing all of that, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to say it. Comicsgate. Okay. Comicsgate changed all that. So I've got Cyberfrog comics. I've got Jawbreakers comics. And obviously those are print only. You're not going to get digital versions of those, but I can even still champion the Comicsgate model because of how often does a new Cyberfrog comic book come, uh, come out? Well, I think the last new one was like either the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019. The next one I think is going to be um, later this year, maybe. So basically it probably averages out to one new cyber frog story every year, one new jawbreaker story every single year, one new iron sight story every year. Well, okay. I can pay that price like $20, like 15 or 20, whatever it is. I can pay that on an annual basis. I wouldn't want to pay that on a monthly basis. So there is an advantage in the comics gate model, but what AT&T's corporate strategy seems to be, and again, I could be wrong about this. It looks like they want to get that price as fucking low as they can. And if Batman The Adventures Continue is anything to judge by, 99 cents really is the magic number. And fans are very happy with that title. They're enjoying it. it I, I don't really know anything about the, the, the writers and artists who produce it. But I guess if they were miserable, they would they wouldn't they wouldn't keep doing it. I mean, Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, I mean, they've got careers outside of comics. And so I don't know. It's just I, I look at Batman the Adventures Continue and I see a model upon which you can build. Okay, there's a lot of potential there. So so that's another thing. Now, just in terms of things that I would like to see, I would love it if DC would throw open their back issue vault. Meaning that if DC ever published, uh, if DC ever published it, make it available digitally, right? Which is easier said than done. I know. I wouldn't insist on this, but it sure would be welcome because, guys, you cannot get Action Comics number 600 on the DC app. You can get Action Comics 599. You can get Action Comics 601, but Action Comics 600, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. And I know what people say about the open seas and everything, but guys, I mean, come on. I just, I want to buy something, okay? I want to I wanna own something legally or else I don't want to own it, all right? I'm not casting moral aspersions upon anybody else. I'm simply saying that for me... I want to own a legitimate copy or else I don't want to own it at all, right? And in and amidst all this digital stuff, something I overlooked and I just now remembered is a lot of people are still paper, like predominantly paper, right? And the big digital push, you know what? That could be the breaking point for some of you. And I'm sorry about that. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. I'm sorry about that, but I've been mostly digital for so long now that this is 
basically con- it, it's completing a transition that for me began a pretty long time ago. And this is just the natural evolution of my collecting. I don't expect everybody to necessarily cheer for this the same way that I've been cheering for it. Nevertheless, I at least want to put that all out there. But anyway, going back to the back issues, one of my favorite eras of comics is the Bronze Age, specifically Bronze Age Batman. I love Bronze Age Batman. But if you look at uh, the DC Comics app, you're going to see there are a lot of holes, a lot of holes in the run of Batman comics published starting in January of 1970 and then going right on through to uh, December of 1979. There are a lot of gaps in there. Same thing with uh, Detective Comics. Same thing with Superman. Same thing with Action Comics. Same thing with The Flash. Same thing with Green Lantern. Same thing with Justice League, etc., etc., etc. That needs to change. And again, easier said than done. I know. I'm just saying this is a priority for me. But who knows? Maybe it's just... It's not It's not a priority for AT&T. Now, what I think should be a, a priority for AT&T is, guys, we have a chance now to correct some historical, I can't say injustices, but some historical stupid decisions. And I'm going to expand on that after I get a sip off of my Coke here because I've been sitting here flapping my gums now for, at this point, it looks like over 45 minutes. And I think I've earned... Um, a drink. So just bear with me here. Also going to get some vapor too. Man, there is a serious kick in this liquid that I'm using. This liquid, and guys, I understand this is a stupid company name. But nevertheless, this is the company name. And it's not like I picked it out. But um, anyway, the name of this uh, liquid happens to be... I can't tell if this is Tobacco Naked or Naked Tobacco. But either way, the words Naked and Tobacco are part of this company's name. I assume this is supposed to be... Um, Naked Tobacco. And yes, this is a stupid name for a company. I admit that. Um, The name of the actual liquid is American Patriots. Um, The flavor is... Well, it's basically a tobacco. Usually I like candy-flavored liquids or fruit-flavored liquids or something like that. And I've... Not necessarily on purpose, but I just kind of shied away from a tobacco flavor. Uh, but I was just kind of in a tobacco mood a couple of days ago. So I went to my vape shop and uh, asked the guy for some recommendations on on uh, tobacco flavored liquids. He pointed me in this direction. And I got to tell you, this is a pretty harsh little uh, liquid here. Uh, you, you, you take a pull off it. 
And yeah, you get the throat hit, and that's really what I'm looking for with any liquid. I, I want the throat hit. But when you inhale, man, it, I mean, you feel this thing in your chest like somebody ninja kicked you, you know? So uh, I don't know. I don't know if I recommend this flavor. I mean, it's um, a little bit of a handful, I must tell you. So anyway, uh, but getting back into my little spiel here, because no one listens to me to, so that they can hear about uh, vape liquid recommendations. I don't want to say a, a, an historical injustice, all right? But we do have an opportunity here to correct an historical just bad decision, bonehead move. Basically, we can start, or at least I think we should, we. I think the comic book companies, specifically DC, should start promoting and hyping up artists again. Now, for those of you who weren't around, like in the old days, artists used to get regularly promoted and hyped up. Here's this new comic book coming out. It's drawn by so-and-so, and he's he's a total badass. He's got a dick that's 10 feet long, and he's an amazing artist. Yeah. Artists haven't been actively promoted by comic book companies since, like, the founding of Image Comics. Um, and I think the reason for that is because comic book companies in general, and Marvel Comics in particular, were so fucking scared of Image Comics that they didn't want to ever let something like that happen again. So they gradually started winding down the artist hype machine, and then, and instead they began hyping up writers. And that's really where the beginning of the rock star writer comes from. It's because writers probably are not gonna be able to go out on their own and start their own companies and threaten Marvel and DC's little, I can't call it a hegemony, like a biopoly or I don't know, whatever. They're not gonna upset the apple cart. Most writers probably can't do that by themselves but most artists or at least certain artists like the rock star artists yeah they obviously could because <laughs> they did so but back when and this is my point back when talented artists were hyped up by comic book companies comics sold a mint and so maybe that can happen again again this is just something I would wish for but I'm not predicting it, or if I am predicting anything, I'm predicting that it won't happen. I'm just saying this would be a good thing to do. Now, another thing is content, all right? And I would say specifically accessible stories. Now, what I mean by that is skip the woke bullshit and just tell stories, all right? Like I said a little while ago, I get a hell of a lot of enjoyment out of reading Bronze Age Batman comics, and I would say more enjoyment out of that than virtually anything that DC's published in the last five years. Now, one of the reasons that I spent so much time with my B7 men or disrupting the comic book industry mega series from earlier this year is because those comics were fun, exciting, and designed to reach a certain audience and attract that audience with certain types of content. Now, today, a lot of comics seem designed to, and I'm quoting directly here, piss off all the right people, unquote. 
But comics shouldn't piss anybody off. Comics should appeal to as wide an audience as possible so that they'll not only buy that comic, but also buy more comics in the future. Now, honestly, guys, I am making a prediction here. Honestly, I just don't see that happening. At least, not anytime soon. Ultimately, AT&T may exert pressure such that DC has no choice but to abandon all of this woke bullshit and nonsense. But at least for right now, anybody who's fed up with some childless pink-haired SJW feminist running comics into the ground, all I can say is hold on to your socks because I think it's going to take a little while for that to change. If it ever does. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe AT&T, they'll appoint a, some kind of like general manager or something to run DC Comics, and he'll hire based upon talent and then retain based upon uh, on sales. Such a thing is not impossible. I'm just saying that I don't think it's going to happen, at least at first. No. What's more likely, again, this is just a guess, but what I think is more likely is that the identity politics stuff is going to get cranked up to 11 until your ears bleed. The sales figures are going to come in. Somebody's going to notice that stuff doesn't sell. Then they'll notice that the apolitical stuff does sell. And hopefully, if fortune smiles, hopefully they'll make whatever adjustments are necessary. If you catch my meaning. Now, over and above everything, what all of you need to understand and internalize is that we are in uncharted waters. This level of change that we're experiencing right now is probably unprecedented in all of comic book history. This thing could turn out a lot of different ways. And I don't think anybody's qualified to make hard predictions just yet. There are reasons to be optimistic. But I'm not going to bullshit any of you. There are also reasons to be scared out of your mind. In this case, I think feedback is the way to go. All right? Vote with your dollars. Don't financially support comic books that are designed to insult you. Speak up online. Tweet at AT&T and tell them you want more of X, Y, or Z. And who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll listen. So, I don't know. We'll see. In any case, though, that that's probably the great majority of everything that I wanted to say. Like I say, there are reasons to be hopeful. There are reasons to be, shall we say, concerned. But I remain mournful of the fact that it took, it took things getting to this level. It took things getting so bad before change could ever happen. And honestly, Guys, what we're seeing right now, we haven't even seen, like, real change yet. 
So I could be speaking completely out of turn here. But I am very concerned about the long-term viability of comics. I'm very concerned about these characters that have come to mean so much to me. And I just hope everything turns out okay. So I think that's basically it for me, at least for right now. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and just throw this episode out there, just release it as is, and just let the chips fall where they may. So I think that's pretty much it for me for right now. So bye, everybody. I'll see you whenever. I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, You can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode. 
with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magna show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon, because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void were prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>